0: Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott.
1: I'm Joe Mott. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Welcome to all listening. I pray you are all well. In the last episode on Reasons for Apologetics, Part 2, I defined apologetics as giving a reason or defense of our Christian faith using the weapons of reason. Positively, it is building a logical case for Christianity. Negatively, it is answering objections to Christianity or giving refutations of contrary views. The American Christian philosopher Francis Schaeffer calls apologetics pre-evangelism. 1 Peter 3.15 deals with the command to do apologetics. Second Corinthians 10.3-5 deals uh, with uh, the two tasks of apologetics. The Apostle Paul wrote the Philippians saying, I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. Philippians 1, verse 7. And a little later he said, I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. That's in Philippians 1, verse 16. In the last episode, I said that even though philosophy, logic, reason, and evidence can be challenging to the Christian, apologetics gives four benefits that can help the Christian. I was in the midst of the fourth benefit at the end of the last episode. I start there again today. The fourth benefit is that a Christian needs philosophy and reason, etc. To counter error and eliminate heresies. By definition, a heretic is one who dissents from an essential Christian doctrine. In addressing the particular heresy troubling the church in Colossae, the Apostle Paul said, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and empty deception. End quotes. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Unfortunately, some Christians have taken this verse to be an injunction against the study of philosophy. But that conclusion is incorrect for three reasons. The first reason why Paul's warning in Colossians 2 8 is not against the study of philosophy is that his warning is not a prohibition against philosophy in general but against a particular false philosophy. The epistle to the Colossians stands in the same relation to Ephesians as Galatians does to Romans. Romans and Ephesians give us sound doctrine, while Galatians and Colossians correct a deviation from sound doctrine. What then is the erroneous doctrine that was leading the Colossians away from sound doctrine? The Apostle Paul lists six characteristics of this erroneous doctrine. First, Paul called it by the name of this philosophy, in chapter 2, verse 8. The definite article, this, indicates that it is a particular philosophy, not philosophy in general. He is warning against a specific false philosophy. Second, this particular philosophy paid regard to the tradition of men, chapter 2, verse 8, which would give appeal to those who revered the past. Third, this philosophy affirmed some Jewish traditions, in particular, worship of angels and visions. Chapter 2, verse 18, Fourth, it had an appearance of wisdom, chapter two, verse 23, thus appealing to the intellectual tastes. Fifth, it affirmed a Greek philosophy and a religious dogma, namely contempt for the body, in chapter two, verses 20 through 23. And sixth, it practiced self-abasement and severe treatment of the body. Chapter 2, verse 23. Why would anybody have contempt for their own body? I presume it is because the body is basically matter. There was a tendency in ancient Greek philosophy and religious thought to regard matter as intrinsically evil. Plato and Aristotle held that there are two eternal self-existent principles, God and matter. It was this contempt for the body and the practice of self-abasement that enabled scholars to identify the philosophy troubling the Colossians as a kind of nascent form of Gnosticism. Gnosticism developed a dualistic view of the universe. For them, the universe displays a dramatic contrast between good and evil between light and darkness, between the spiritual and the physical realms. They developed the thought that all of existence is divided into two fundamental components, spirit and matter. These components are at war with each other. In the Gnostic belief system, God is an all-powerful, divine spirit being representing good, and matter represents evil. But in the biblical view, matter is not intrinsically evil. God deemed the original material created world as, quote very good, in quotes, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. The biblical view is that the entrance of sin into the world had nothing to do with the nature of creation, but was the result of the moral disobedience on the part of humanity. The second reason why Paul's warning is not against the study of philosophy is that Paul's design was to counter this, quotes, contempt for the body, heresy, end quotes. Near the end of the first century, Gnosticism was becoming a progressively greater danger to the Christian church. The epistle of 1 John also was written to combat this same heresy. During the second century and the following centuries, Gnosticism became a full-fledged enemy of the Christian faith. At the root, Gnostic and Gnosticism stem from the Greek word gnosis, meaning knowledge, and refer not to the pursuit of general knowledge, but to a variety of religious movements directed toward personal salvation through the attainment of alleged ancient mysteries, usually pertaining to self-knowledge, that would liberate them from the nightmare world of, quotes reality." What a strange mix. Gnosticism believes you can be saved by knowing ancient mysteries about yourself. Pantheism thinks the mystery is that you are God. Mormonism believes the mystery is that you can become God. When people cease to believe in absolutes, Foundational biblical truths seem to be incoherent. So it's no wonder that some of the essential biblical doctrines are now almost completely misunderstood or rejected altogether. For example, surveys show that almost 80% of all people believe there is more than one way to heaven. 91% 91% of Catholics agree with that. Even more telling is that 68% of evangelical Protestants say a good person from a non-Christian religious faith will still go to heaven. And 65% of evangelical teens say you can't be sure which religion is right or true. So it appears that the body of, of the people who claim to be Christian is gradually becoming heretical. I pray that that is not really the the actual case. G.K. Chesterton describes the situation in this way. He said, When men choose to stop believing in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing, they then become capable of believing in anything. Joseph Preston of Freethinkers of America says, there has been considerable liberalizing of religion, and the lines of conflict between atheism and religion aren't nearly as strong, quotes. The Bible warns against the wisdom of the world, 1 Corinthians Chapter 1 verse 20, chapter 2 verse 4 through 13, chapter 3 verse nineteen; Second Corinthians 1 verse 12. The Apostle Paul exhorts us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12 verse 2. In Ephesians 2.2, 2, Paul wrote that unbelievers walk according to the course of this world. James wrote, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthy, unspiritual, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist there is disorder and every evil thing but the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable gentle reasonable full of mercy and good fruits unwavering without hypocrisy James chapter 3 verses 13 through 17 In New Testament times, believers lived by fixed scriptural truth as opposed to those who lived by the shifting cultural norms of the world. The third reason why Paul's warning is not against the study of philosophy. If you think about it, you realize you cannot beware of false philosophy unless you are first aware of it. You cannot avoid something unless you can identify what it is that you should avoid. A Christian must recognize error before he can counter error, just as a physician must study disease before he can knowledgeably treat disease. And you cannot detect error unless you know its opposite, the truth. The Christian church has on occasion been penetrated by false teaching, precisely because believers have not been trained to detect the disease of error. A good counterfeit will be as close to the truth as possible. This is why false non-Christian philosophies dressed up in Christian garb are particularly dangerous. That is why Christian liberalism and the group called the Jesus Seminar are so toxic. Reinhold Niebuhr said, according to liberalism, a God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross. The Jesus Seminar is a group of over 70 self-described scholars who claim that they have determined that Jesus probably only said about 18% of the quotes attributed to him in the four gospels in the New Testament. Being a bona fide scholar means more than just having a degree. Generally, a scholar is one who demonstrates a mastery of his discipline and who makes an academic contribution to his field normally by publishing papers in respected journals. Greg Kukul checked out the credentials of the Jesus Seminar participants some years ago, and by this definition, only 14 members qualify as a scholar, and of the entire group, only 20 are recognizable names in the field, and half of them come from ultra-liberal schools, Harvard, Claremont and Vanderbilt. Why would you listen to such a biased point of view?
0: Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address. Doug Apple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6:45 p.m. on wave94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app. Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.